Jen and Stacey Conkey. And if you want to learn the six and seven figure science to success, significantly increase your revenue and learn how to successfully build professional relationships, you should be listening to the Sell Without Selling podcast with my good friend, Stacey O'Byrne. If you're ready to get out of your own way to follow the seven figure science of success, then welcome to Sell Without Selling. Tune in with renowned international speaker Stacey O'Byrne as she shows you how mastering relationships, achieving the proper mindset, and attaining the necessary motivation will catapult you away from failure and onto your journey to greatness. And now, here is your host, Stacey O'Byrne. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Sell Without Selling. I'm your host, Stacey O'Byrne, and I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. Today, I'm speaking with two power dynamic people. Jen and Stacy Conkey have spent nearly two decades in real estate investing, specializing in multi-family real estate to create passive cash flow, allowing them to have not just financial freedom, also time and location freedom as well. Jen and Stacy are passionate about helping new investors get out of analysis paralysis. Amen to that. And into action, they started the Warriors of Wealth Real Estate Investing Mastermind to coach new investors both in real estate, investing, and mindset. So they get across the finish line of their first few deals and on their way to building passive income and long-term wealth. Who doesn't want that? I am so excited for you to hear this call today. And I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. Really quick, if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, or sales professional, and you haven't hit the level of success that you've needed or wanted, or if you just want more, and you understand the importance of having a coach to help identify the blind spots, increase accountability, and help take you, your business, your bank account, your life, and your success to the next level. If this sounds like something for you, then head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. There's a quick application there that will lead to a phone call with us to make sure we're a great fit for each other. Okay, let's do this. Jen and Stacy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having Stacey. us. Oh, no, I'm excited. You know, uh, Jen, I met you a little over a year ago and, you know, your, your mindset, you're, you're just so solid and, and, you know, and then I got to meet your beautiful wife just recently and I completely understand how it is you guys have accomplished success. So let's share with our listeners your journey. So you didn't wake up one day and just say, I was born an entrepreneur and I'm going to do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, right. no, I didn't realize it until I was about nine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were a late bloomer. I think my first lemonade stand was when I was four. Nice. And, and my dad, my dad bought me the materials, helped me build it, and then charged me for time and labor uh, and, and materials. And then when I borrowed the lemonade stuff from my mom, I had to pay her back for material costs. So my first summer, I was in a loss, right? And then the next summer, and then they, they charged me interest, which I was like, didn't understand what that was, right? So now, so now I'm like six years old. And, and with my lemonade stand, I realized that if I gave my neighbor friends five cents for every cup they sold, I could increase my leverage. So I got out of debt my second year. <laughs> Amazing. That's awesome. So, so did you guys just jump into starting your entrepreneurial ventures or did you uh, start working in a corporate job and then realized, you know what, we, we, we want to work for ourselves? How did that come about? Yeah, for, for me, that's exactly how it happened. I, I went straight to work. Um, I, I did a little bit of like, you know, JV college and was like, yeah, it's not for me right now. I really want to make money. You know, I've always been money motivated since I was eight or nine. Mm -hmm. So I went out and got a job and I just started working my way up in the company. And I was in corporate America for 22 years, climbing that corporate ladder through different companies, whether it was TRW safety systems or General Mills or Target or Home Depot. Like I went through four major companies and mm -hmm. just kept climbing the ladder, but it was never really 
what, where I wanted to be. And I was always broke, it seemed, or I was always waiting for that next raise or that next bonus or those next stock options. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I did things on the side. In 2003, I started doing and dipping into real estate, flipping houses with my dad and my brother. And that's where I got the itch and realized the potential there. And it was just a journey from there. But I was pretty much born and bred to go to work, get a job, go to high school or go to college and, and buy your house and do all those things that make you, you know, good in America. So that's what I was doing. And then I had this reality check of it's not working for me back in 2015. <laughs> so you did all the, the, the traditional adulting things. Right. right. Gotcha. Stacy, how about you? So for me, the beginning part was really similar. I you know, went to college and got my degree, got my CPA license, got a job, was working my way up the corporate ladder. And, um, and it was in 2003. And for me, I, I went to a Tony Robbins event and it just, he asked one pivotal question that made me really dive deep and realize this isn't like, this isn't what I am meant to do, hmm. which was really strange because I was working very hard to climb that corporate ladder and I liked it. Like I, I love the debits and the credits. I thought they were amazing. <laughs> I was like, how could I live without the debits and the credits? But um, I was, I definitely just all of a sudden had a knowing that what I was meant to do wasn't that it, it was something different, but I didn't even know what it was. Mm -hmm. All I knew was I'm on the wrong track, but what is it? So that just led me into starting to explore different things. And I think I picked up Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the book. Yeah. And I was like, this makes so much sense to me. And just I went to an investor club, started learning about real estate went and got some training. And then that was the beginning of my whole journey. It was towards the end of 2003 that I like got into my very first, first deal. And, um, and I've been doing real estate since then. Wow. Wow. So were you guys pursuing real estate separately in different directions and then just so happened to meet? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. That's it awesome. Is. It, when we first met and I realized that she had been doing the same thing. I haven't, I didn't know that when we first met. And I think we were on right. a date when I figured out, <laughs> wait a minute. And you know, when I first started, I was literally, I had already got my master's degree and I was like, oh, I'm going to go this route at Home Depot and everything's going to be awesome. And I had always had in the back of my mind at some point, I got to stop this and mm -hmm. get into it. But literally investing in California, you don't gain any traction. And this one had already figured out how to invest remotely. And I was like, wait, what? I got to date her more often than like, this is going to be epic. Uh, you know, and then on top of that, it, it, she's just completely in every way, the opposite of me. So it makes a really good fit about her entrepreneurial spirit spirit. And then when I was younger, I had the same aspirations, but you know, as most people know that are trying to be entrepreneurs, if you come from a family that's like, no, you got to work, you got to have stability and conflicting parts. And she helps me with that. So it was pretty nice. Nice. So let me guess. You're the jump off the cliff and figure out how to fly on the way down. And Stacy's the running to the cliff, building the ship before she gets there and finishing it while she's flying. Thousand percent. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so you get into real estate and and, you know, for for our listeners, the, the reason why I asked Jen and Stacy to come on is, is is multiple reasons. The journey of an entrepreneur is the journey of an entrepreneur. It doesn't matter if you're a bottle washer, a cleaning service, if you're in finance or or real estate, or if you're selling a widget. It doesn't matter what you do. The journey is the same. There's trials, tribulations, obstacles, mindset, motivation, ups, downs. Money's always an issue, right? Unless it's not. And then if it's not, then other things are issues, like maybe time. And if time's not, then the human element becomes an issue. And if that's not, there's always something, right? And what, what defines those who make it versus those who don't is what's between your ears and how you really develop it, refine it, and push through those moments when you really meet yourself in trying times, right? Mm -hmm. so, so you guys start building this real estate investing business, right? 
And let me guess, it just went smooth. It was easy. The economy supported <laughs> you. All the, yeah. renters, all the renters paid their rent, right? <laughs> it was just so easy. Yes. So, so easy. easy, no challenges whatsoever. Yeah, all the transactions went smoothly, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Said no one ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how was that journey? You know, because building a business is building a business. It takes the same type of tools. So how was that journey for you guys? Well, I will let you go in a moment, but I just yeah. want to start <laughs> off by saying one. Warriors of Wealth is not our first business. Yeah, no. <laughs> so I just want to put that out there, right? <laughs> right? Okay. Uh, you know, we built our portfolio to a point where when cash flow is coming in, we, we have other things we'd like to try, right? Hmm. So given that we had both been pretty good at business consulting, we started a business consulting and that didn't go anywhere, right? <laughs> Actually went nowhere quick, but we recognized it early. And we really started thinking about, well, we love what we do. And you've already been teaching people how to do it one-on-one. -on -one, and we really have an opportunity to impact a lot of lives and transform them. And what if we could figure out how to do it with many versus one-on-one, -on -one, we could impact more. And we really started talking about it. And we were like, yeah, let's build that, right? And well, we started so many companies before that didn't work out. How is this one going to be different? <laughs> so we, we hired a coach. We, we hired somebody that would help us make sense of the chaos and figure out we're missing something. We have a one-on-one -on -one model that's not really scalable and it's not helping us with what we really want, which is impact. Mm -hmm. And that coach helped us figure out how to take a one-on-one -on -one to a one-to-many. And when our eyes opened up to that, we were just so motivated by how much impact we could have. We were like, we're going to just follow this blueprint with every step and it's going to go great which obviously didn't, we have many stories along the way, <laughs> but that's how it started with why we wanted to start it. And I think the why we wanted to start it, it motivated us to stay through those obstacles. Um, yeah. If you have a different opinion, but no, no, from the warriors of wealth standpoint. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely true. That's such yeah. a, a heart driven center driven business for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, but I, what I'd say from my beginning of my investing journey <laughs> that was where because like you don't know you don't know what you don't know right Amen. so oftentimes Amen. you're not going to get the lessons until you just get in and start you know doing some things to figure it out and I can remember like going through training and you know sitting in that 3d seminar leaving with a binder and that was pretty much all I was on my own after that yeah and the first time I had a challenge in a deal I was like Oh my God, my career is over. It just began. I was like a month, a month in. And I was like, it's over before it even began. And now I look back and I'm like, it's it was such a stupid, ridiculous baby problem that was mm. so easy to solve. Mm -hmm. But at the time it felt like it was gonna be, it was like the end of the world. And I just remember as I continued on my entrepreneurial journey in real estate investing, I was like, you know what? At some point, if I ever freaking figured this out, I'm gonna go back and teach other people because they don't know what's realistic to expect. I certainly didn't have a realistic view of how challenging it was, but what's the alternative? Staying at a job forever? For me, that was, a job is not a good fit for me. I did, I'm a very hard worker and I will kick ass at whatever I do, but if you are gonna try to put me in a box and make me show up at eight o'clock on the dot, I, I'm sorry, but we just, we're just not going to get along. Right. <laughs> like, right. Let me do what I freaking do. Mm -hmm. Anyway. So I was like, I have to figure this out. I have to get through these challenges because I don't want to go back to corporate America. And um, I just think for entrepreneurs who are, you know, starting off or whatever, to have the expectation that things will be easy is complete folly. It's unrealistic. And if you expect it to be easy, you're going to quit because you're like, wow, something's wrong. Something's wrong with me. No. You're just one of the crazies like us who've decided we don't want just the average thing. We want a bigger life. We want a better life. Yeah. And guess what? You're going to have to work your ass off sometimes to get it. You're going to have to be uncomfortable. And um, that's, I mean, aside from the technical parts of real estate, that's one of the things that Jen and I really try to communicate to, um, to everyone and our, our students, like, look, don't expect it to be easy because it's not, but it is worth it. Otherwise, who's going to take care of you? What, the government? Happening. <laughs> 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 That's a podcast in itself. Yeah, right. So, exactly. 
So, so several things, you know, you, you both have made really, really important points that I'd like to pull out and, and really present to the listeners. So, so first and foremost, you know, Jen had said, you guys have had many business ventures, you know, so many people start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, quit, right? It's a matter of, of finding where that niche is for you and and really working through who you are and where you're at and learning from what worked and what didn't work and you know as long as you continue to learn you're not failing it's the second you choose to grab those learnings that you might as well just put the f-bomb on your forehead because you failed right the the feedback is in what didn't work and what you choose to do with it from that point forward determines where you're going to go next right and you just kept navigating you know you started a business consulting business identified quickly it didn't work i never got into the training business with the intention to ever become a business coach business consultant i'm a success strategist never did and I had a lot of people come up to me and ask me, how do you keep creating seven-figure businesses until I realized, well, I guess I am doing something. And I had someone come up to me and say, well, you coach me. And I'm like, I'm not a coach. And they go, well, can you coach me on how you did what you did? I'm not a coach. Well, can you coach me on how you did what you did? Yeah. Okay, great. So what does it look like? I'm not a coach. I don't know. I literally had someone make me take them, make me, right? Take them as a coaching client. And 10 years later, I have a seven-figure coaching business, you know? So sometimes it's, a, it's really borrowing other people's beliefs. Sometimes it's finding your belief, right? And then, and then on, on Stacy's point, you know, Stacy, you unwound multiple things there. You know, when it, when, it comes to, when it comes to this whole journey of finding your passion, it's so important for you to identify what it is you know and what it is you don't know. And then it's important for you to insert yourself in environments where what it is you don't know that you don't know gets exposed. Because it's the don't knows that you don't know that's going to bite you in the ass, right? Yep. And so many people make the mistakes of, of trying to navigate things blindly. When in reality, do what you do best, hire the best to help you do the rest. That's a success formula. And if people are telling you success is easy, they're lying to you. Success, success is not easy. It's simple. It's not easy. And it's completely worth it. And the reason why it's simple is because it's a science. It's a science of human behavior, both self and others. Right. So when we were talking about your journey of, of how simple it was for you to navigate your, your business ventures, um, did you have any downs or was it all ups? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, we had quite a few, a few challenges. Well, you know, um, the first one was this for me personally. Um, it's a lot different to be in corporate America for 22 years, climbing that corporate ladder and having sh having shit just dropped in your lap. On hey, go do these things, execute yeah. this. Here's the goal. There's the field post. Like make sure you make the kick, mm -hmm. Like make the kick. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's easy. I can go do that. I can then take their idea, take their vision, their mission, gather a team around, lead them, get the results right. Um, it's a whole nother bag of tricks to start your own company and be the one who has to create that vision, create that mission, and then figure out, oh, wait, shit, I also have to go do it all because I don't have a team yet because I just started <laughs> this. Yep. So for me, for 22 years, I always had my own assistant. I always had a team of people that I could delegate to. And <laughs> over 22 years, as you can imagine, I eventually lost and was out of touch with being the doer. 
And I was more in touch with being the strategic planner, having a plan, having a contingency plan, because everything goes wrong. Nothing goes as planned. But I was always that cerebral one that was like the leader, organized the chaos, made sense of it. I think we should do this. Now I had to do that for myself and then turn around and get, go do it, right? Like I'm reporting to me. And that was a very big transition for me. We ran out of toner. Okay. This is a real life story, guys. I am not even joking when I say we ran out of toner. And I text Stacy and I said, we ran out of toner. I don't know what to do. And she was like, figure it out. No, she goes, change it. And I was like, how? I don't even know where to open this thing. Like, I'm just used to opening it up, putting the paper down, closing it, hit copy or hit print and it printed, right? I didn't know how to do that stuff. And, yeah. But this one did because she had been an entrepreneur for, you know, 20 years and, and she already had systems and my systems used to involve a team. So the hardest thing for me and anybody else that's out there thinking about starting, if, if you've been in a nine to five and you're used to that, um, like get ready. Because there's no structure. There's no one there to hold your hand. There's no safety net. It's just you. And you've got to figure it out. And that was a big challenge for me. I struggled for three months. And I shouldn't have struggled that long. But I did. Because ego got in the way. And Mm. ego says, oh, you've already arrived. You shouldn't have to do this. And, you know, you should, what are you doing? You're already in your 40s. And you already developed this. And you don't know how to do this. And so that inner monologue was really messing with me. Mm-hmm. And I had to get over that first and get, once I did, I was like, okay, I just accepted it. Right. And then I, you couldn't stop me from taking messy action. I was all over the place. In fact, we're still cleaning it up today <laughs> with all the messy action that I took, but had I not gotten over my ego, gotten over myself and developed new routines, we would have, I would not have started. Mm. And I definitely would have continued. So that was my first hurdle, my mind, my getting out of my own way. It led to the part where I enrolled in NLP and got certified and went through all of that as a mindset coach and learned how to mindset coach myself, to calm down and figure it out. And, and I'm really grateful about that challenge because I wouldn't have done that in corporate America. That's amazing. Amazing. How about you, Stacey? Um, well, are we talking about first challenge from <laughs> from, from which standpoint? <laughs> <laughs> Any challenges as an entrepreneur, because, you know, so many give up when they hit that obstacle, as opposed to pushing through it to get to the other side, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> the one thing that's been become very abundantly clear over the years is everything that I've ever done um, that I'm not currently doing now was a part of the, uh, of the journey and of the learning. And a good example, this has nothing to do with the real estate part of our, our, our journey, but at one point, um, Jen and one of her old business colleagues from corporate America were doing a podcast for, I don't know, like a year or so. And the three of us, the pot, I was like behind the scenes and I was like, I, so I had to learn how to do video editing and how to start a podcast and like all the things. And <laughs> the video anyway and it was painful to learn how to do that I was like geez I thought this was going to be so much easier Mm. and it's funny and then that ended up not working out and I wasn't like upset about it but I look back now and when we did launch Warriors of Wealth to start to do really what our mission was was to help people with real estate Jen was right we didn't have a team it was just the two of us and because we're a startup from that from that standpoint and I was like, thank God we did that podcast because I would have no idea how to edit these videos. And one thing we're really, really good at is marketing. Mm-hmm. And not because we're marketing geniuses, just because we, we're just passionate about getting, getting the message out and making sure people know that we're here when they're ready for us. But mm-hmm. the skills that we got from the podcast, which the podcast had nothing to do with real estate, translated so heavily into our business. And I was just like, you know, we did that thing and it didn't end up going anywhere with the business consulting, but thank God we did it. And literally I can look back at time and every single thing I've ever done has, has continued to, to increase the amount of knowledge, experience, contacts, um, wisdom, thickened skin, thickened resolve or strengthened resolve, um, along the journey. So I don't know, I think this is a really big message that I have. I would have for people is don't ever 
put judgment into what you're doing right now, whether it's working or not. We, mm -hmm. we can't help it either. We still do that exact same thing. What's working right now? But when you look back at, at hindsight, it's always, how did that serve you? How am I doing what I'm doing right now? It will play out at some point. It will, it will move on to, into something else most likely, or it will evolve. Yeah. It, or, or it will end. And now not this, but in the past, it's like, okay, well, you know, we'll see, but everything we've done has put us in a place where we can do this. We didn't even freaking know how to do Zoom, you know, but when we started Warriors of Wealth, we were like, shoot, or Google Drive. I'm like, we gotta, we gotta learn Google Drive because <laughs> everything now is video. Like we're not, it's, you know, COVID is here. We can't go do live events right now. We have to figure it out. And everything else we had done, even though we didn't know how to do it, it prepared us to be bold enough and brave enough to go do the thing we don't know how to do and be okay with being uncomfortable as we figured it out. Yeah. And that is a very hard thing for people who have been doing one thing or doing the one thing they're super good at for mm -hmm. a long time. When they start into real estate, they're not used to being new at something. Yeah. And that is a very painful place to be. But over time, we've just become, un we've become comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. And we're like, fuck it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oops, of all the people <laughs> that said the F bomb, I didn't think it'd be her. <laughs> but it's true. It's like, oh, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'll just, I'm just getting to figure it out. In the beginning, that was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I, and you get like all wrapped up in your head and you can't take any action because you're so stuck in analysis paralysis. Yeah. You don't really have that so much anymore because we're so used to being like, well, I don't know what to do. Let's yeah. just hit these buttons. Let's try these things. Let's make some phone calls. And we just now just figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a huge believer. If you can break it, it can be fixed. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm the same way. I'm a button pusher, metaphorically, <laughs> literally, and figuratively. <laughs> I'm a button pusher. And I know that if, if I push a button too hard, I can always figure out how to get it unpushed. And you know, I learned a long time ago from a mentor that entrepreneur loosely translated from French really translates loosely into risk taker for financial gain, right? So if, if you're not willing to take risks, then maybe staying in a job is, is what's right for you. You know, I had a corporate career. I made very high six-figure income. 9-11 happened and I found myself gainfully unemployed. You know, when you're used to making 300,000 and 500,000 a year and all of a sudden, you know, the, the state offers you, what is it? A, I think at that time it was a $400 a week unemployment check. I was like, I need that an hour. <laughs> what do I do with this? <laughs> right? And, uh, and, and for me, it was one of those real humbling experiences. And I found out that I was certifiably unemployable. And I jumped off the cliff and became a reluctant entrepreneur because nobody was hiring after 9-11. And I bought a distressed printing company. Didn't know anything about printing. Who would have known ink on paper was hard? Not me. <laughs> you know, I'm really good at sales, leadership, and communication. I had no one to sell to, nothing to sell, no one to communicate with, and no one to leave. So when I bought this distressed printing company, I inherited the business partner and we built it to seven figures. And then I got embezzled from, and then I got sued. He sued me afterwards. And I went from being a millionaire to destitute. I had 16 cents in the bank. And it was kind of one of those things where, what do I do? So now neurology pushes me back to go get a job. It's what you know. Nobody would hire me. I'm interviewing with 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 people and they're looking at me like I'd be stupid to hire you I'd be I'd be fired within weeks because you'll replace me so now I'm realizing I really am certifiably unemployable what the hell am I doing and everybody kept coming up to me going how do you keep creating seven-figure businesses and after being asked that like hundreds of times I stepped back and asked myself that question I was like oh I'm good at sales good at leadership good at communication so what did I do? I created Pivot Point Advantage back in 2009, you know, before the word pivot was this revelation. Pivot. <laughs> so, so I started the company in 2009 and started teaching sales, leadership, and communication. I was making hundreds of thousands of dollars, and every one of my students was failing. 
Nobody was making money. And I'm like, I don't get this. I am teaching them everything. No, I'm not. I'm not teaching them everything that I know because I wasn't teaching them human behavior, self-behavior mindset. I wasn't, I wasn't teaching neuro-linguistics programming. I've been studying it for 35 years. And for me, it was one of those things where I studied it to overcome uh, PTSD from the military. And that's why, that's why I started studying it. And it just so happened that I became a really good salesperson because of it, right? And uh, so then I did something I swore I'd never do. I started training NLP. And then now we have a 97% success rate. Mm -hmm. I can easily say we make millionaires. And I also teach sales leadership and communication, but I only offer it to people who go through the NLP course because where you go, you follow. You want the rest, you gotta clean up the best. Right. So, so saying all that to say it's, it's our, it's our natural behavior to stay in that comfort zone. Right. So for you guys, let's talk about, wow, because this has a lot to do with people's comfort zones. You know, a lot of us grew up either not talking about money, not being allowed to talk about money or being told we can't afford this or, you know, people were raised in a conventional environment. You go get a job, work really hard, get a Timex after 20 years that says, you know, congratulations. Thank you for 20 years of meritorious service. I'd rather go buy my own Timex. Well, I don't wear Timex. <laughs> I wear Hublot, but I'd rather go buy my own watch, right? So, <clears throat> Long-winded question. I'll get to it. <laughs> so, so many, so many don't understand the difference between generating income and establishing wealth, right? There's so many who are self-employed or entrepreneurs or small business owners or even independent sales professionals. They work for the money. They don't have the money work for them. And, you know, two, two things that I saw from you recently, and I'm going to botch both of them, so I apologize. <laughs> Number one was you guys did a video recently on how you almost had to file bankruptcy. And then the other one was we closed a 560 unit. 967. Company. How many? 967. I'm sorry, I, I showed it to you by 50%. <laughs> the, goal, the, the goal was 500. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So 967 units. So, so, you know, you guys are truly the epitome of the entrepreneur. You've moved yourself from being an employee to being self-employed, to being a business owner, to being an investor, right? Speaking of Robert Kiyosaki's quadrants. Yes? Yes. So... This, this wealth management, it's, it's truly daunting to be a real estate investor, but you guys have made it simple. Yes. That's, I mean, simple. Yes. That's what we easy, do. No. Not easy. No, okay. simple. Yes. So, so let's talk about why so many get in their way about doing something that's potentially so simple. So break it down the necessity of you know, people really have two choices. They can work for their money or their money can work for them, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So let's talk about WOW. Absolutely. For our students and anybody who's trying to come to the mastermind, anybody who wants to get started, the biggest thing, the biggest obstacle they have to deal with first is their, their mindset. It's, yeah. it's literally a, I can't do that, or it's the exact opposite of, I'm going to do that and I can do it all on my own. I don't need any help. There's really nobody that's like in the middle um, that's out there doing action. They, if they're in the middle, they've either hired someone to help them mm -hmm. or they're already taking action and making decisions and learning from those decisions and moving forward. But their mindset tells them for whatever reason that you know it's easy and the results are going to come and it's going to change their life and transform it. And they almost have unrealistic expectations that that's going to happen like that. Yeah. And, and so what happens is whether they're, they're thinking about joining us or they've already joined us case in point, we have so many courses and we literally lay out a roadmap of those courses. You take the course, you follow this. We have an entire system, follow the system. 
people want results so instantly that they won't watch those videos <laughs> and they'll just start doing yeah. Right. And come into the calls with some questions and we're like, okay, it's in this video right here. But for the most, for the most part, most of our students do take the course. They take it in pockets mm -hmm. and they figure out what they need to do. And then they come to the coaching calls, but people want it and they want what they want. And they want it right now, because that's usually the, the type of personality that is seeking us is those that want more in life mm -hmm. and they're ready to do it. They want to do it. They just don't know how. But then they get faced with that first step of, oh, shit, but I'm going to have to work really hard at this. And what if I fail? Right. So that's usually the very first thing that happens is, wow, this is more difficult and, and more dynamic. Uh, I, I didn't realize it was this much. And, oh, my God, there's 240 videos. And we're like, yeah, you got to get educated and we coach you. And you actually have to take action. Like, it's not just going to fall in your lap. So a lot of people realize up front that it's not going to happen overnight. It might take 12 months. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Right. <laughs> it's going to go by anyway. So you may as well turn off Grey's Anatomy and get to work and start building your future. Yeah. And I think another thing that, they, that a lot of folks that don't even enter with us, they get tripped up because they've got to touch it. They got to feel it. They got to be there and they got to control it. And we, we teach remote investing. We've never even been in any of our properties. Mm -hmm. And people hear that and they're like, what? Mm -hmm. And yeah, we have a proven system on how we do that. And so some people are just so mind blown that, no, I got to be there and touch it and feel it. And I can't even think. So they'll stay in their own backyard with minimal profits and just really burning a lot of calories to get somewhere, but not as far as they could go. Yeah. Those are usually the first couple of things or uh, Stacy's always talking about analysis paralysis. People will analyze the crap out of things. And it's because it comes from fear, fear of making a mistake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when it comes to this type of investing, you know, people, people have two objections. They actually have more, but their two surface level objections are time and money. Mm -hmm. How do you, how, what do you say to an entrepreneur who wants to start establishing wealth as to how they can overcome time and money? Because Let's face it, your entrepreneur is the chief everything officer. They clean the bathrooms and they lick it, mail it, stick it, they deliver it, they do everything, right? Mm -hmm. And they, in their opinion, live from penny to penny or paycheck to paycheck or order to order, right? Yeah. So how does someone start out with, with taking these big steps? You don't start out with, with meeting you guys and then buying a 967 unit place right yeah no <laughs> no we always say to start where you're comfortable yeah you want to go go ahead yeah so <clears throat> well there's two different things you know time and money from the time and they're 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 two different um you know mental hurdles to get through when you're getting mm -hmm. started um from the time perspective I, I heard it recently said i know i'm going to butcher what the exact quote is but the idea was people i think it was tony robbins who were watching that um that thing on Netflix. Anyway, he was saying people underestimate or they overestimate what they can do in a month and they underestimate what they can do in a year or five years. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of the people that we work with have full-time jobs as did we, when we were new, and that's mm -hmm. a very normal thing. You'll usually work in both worlds for most people. That's how it is. They're going to retain their job because they need the, to have the income coming in. Um, but at the same time, they're going to start a side hustle. That's the majority of the people that we work with. And so time is an issue for everybody. They have jobs, families, you know, kids, parents, whatever. They have all these time things and it's a big problem for them. So one of the things that we teach them is, look, you don't need to spend 50 hours a week on this new business. Like, look, carve out an hour or two a day, five days a week as your gift to yourself for your future and yeah. just take it like one step at a time. Um, and because sometimes people will be like, oh, it's just so overwhelming. So then they'll spend no time. I'm like, look, what you can learn in an hour or the number of conversations you can have in an hour, it, you might have three really good, solid conversations. Well, that's a lot compared to zero. And when you add that up for five different days, you went from zero conversations to 15 just by getting rid of the, the conversation of, I don't have enough time just shut up and go do work for an hour. Like yeah. it, it requires you get out of your head, which is not the easiest thing to do. So from a time perspective, even when people have no time, the first question is, well, what, what is it that you want in life? 
Yeah. Because something's going to have to give. And I don't talk about it as much, although I believe it very strongly. Jen's the one who talks about like, you're going to have to sacrifice something. I'm I sorry, yeah. but it's true. If you want long-term to be able to do whatever you want, whenever you want, wherever you want, you're going to have to give up something now to make that happen. So if you have a three hour a night or a two hour a night TV, you know, part of your, your thing, you know what? I'm not even saying don't watch TV. Although my mentors, my mentors said that stop watching TV. You'll mm-hmm. be amazed at how much money you make. Mm-hmm. And so we pretty much did, but I don't even tell people to go that crazy. I'm like, look, just cut it down by half and go use that other half to start. Because I know the reality is once they get going and the momentum gets going, they're not going to choose television over this because this is amazing and engaging and you're growing and you're, you're getting inspired because you're actually seeing results, but you have to make the decision that what you want is more important than whatever current thing you're doing Mm -hmm. to, what do you call it? Like not self-medicate. What do you say? Not thrive. Cope. Cope. Yeah. To cope with life, so I go bury myself in TV for a few hours. So do I, but I don't choose to do that when I'm trying to grow something that is more important to me mm-hmm. and is bigger, bigger than me. So that from the, the time perspective, that's that's what we tell people. Like we don't try to BS and be like, yeah, no problem. You have all this extra time. I know you don't. I know mm-hmm. you don't have a lot of extra time. But what are you actually doing day to day? Like really take a hard look. And we don't BS people about it. We're like, look, I know you're wasting some time. Or maybe you just need to get up a half hour early. I don't want to either, but guess what? Mm-hmm. You're worth it. Your future is worth it. Yeah. So get your ass out of bed and go make some calls or whatever you got to do. Yeah. I'm always telling the students and anybody that I meet that wants more in life, you know, you got to be willing to be uncomfortable yeah. for five years in order to be comfortable for a lifetime. Yeah. And if you consistently wake up every single day for five years straight, every single day with the discipline and consistency and just make one little change or one decision, it, it has a compound effect, just like on, is it Darren Hardy or whatever his name is? It's a great book. Yeah, yeah. I read that, that book and great. I was like, oh yeah, this makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. It's like it we're, we're given a seed every day and we got to plant that seed. And if I plant that, uh, plant a seed every day for five years, man, I, I really won't have to plant seeds every day. Eventually I can you know, plant one every other day. Yeah. And it gets easier once you have that flywheel effect, once it starts spinning, cool. Exactly. But you've got to do the work up front. You know? Yeah. It, well, it's the eighth wonder of the world. I mean, compound effect. Mm-hmm. And, and reality is what, what, what people are giving up really isn't giving up. They're letting go of something that really doesn't serve their dreams, right? And there's a huge difference between giving up and sacrificing versus letting go. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when we turn around and say we don't have enough time, well, time is relative. So we don't look at time management. We look at self-management. What are we doing with the time that we have? You carve out your sleeping. You carve out your eating. You carve out your family time. You carve out your business time. After you carve out all that, what's left? People typically on an average waste about four hours a day, right? So what's filling that four hours or what's filling that, that, I'll call it that wasted time? Do you have to let go of something or give up something? There's a difference between giving up time at the gym and focusing on health versus letting go of Grey's Anatomy or whatever's on TV, right? I watch TV every night and my TV isn't what what most people think. My TV is personal and professional development. (laughs) That's ours too. Yeah. I have, I, I, I invest hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in myself every year. I live by the rule that what you feed grows and what you starve dies. And I take 30% of my gross annual income and I feed it back to myself. And I have, I have libraries of, of development and, you know, I call it homework. Some of my clients hate that word. It makes them cringe. They call it business development work, right? I have this this work and that's my TV. And I sit there and I take notes with my iPad and I watch, I learn, I feed, I grow. You know, I had a mentor tell me once, honey, there's no BV in TV. And I said, what's BV? And they go business volume. I was like, oh, that makes sense, right? So from that point forward, we just became hardcore development junkies. And for every dollar I invest into myself, I easily make $10 back. 
You know, when people say I don't have the money, my, I ask them the same question. Well, where does your money go? I don't know. Well, you need to, you have to, you should. Mm-hmm. So then I have them do the, the same exercise. And when they do that, they find out X amount gets wasted or blown because there's a difference between spending and investing, right? Huge difference. Yeah. Huge difference. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So whenever, whenever anybody's talking about they don't have money, right, to get started, I ask the same, similar questions. Where, where's your money going? And man, you got to get creative or in 10 years, it, you're still not going to have any money. We, we, something's got to give, right? So how can we get resourceful and yeah. make this work to actually make a difference in your life? You know, I mean, not to sound crass. However, I've been known to be very confrontational. You know, when people, when people turn around and say, I don't have money today. And I said, isn't it easier to be resourceful today when you have the time and the energy than it is when you're elderly or senior or coming into your years where you don't have that energy driving you? Where's the resourcefulness going to come from? You making a decision whether you eat or not, you making a decision whether you split your prescriptions in half you know, or the cat eats or you don't, or, you know, where are your choices? And if you, if you apply proper choices today with a plan and surround yourself with success strategists, then your choices tomorrow are going to be, do I sit at the beach or do I fly to Maui and sit on that beach? Right. Or which Island in Hawaii am I going to? Right, exactly. Some world class problems. I know. First world problems. And reality is, we create our world, both internally and externally, right? So, when you're making big moves like this, because in business, you know, I, I have a belief if you think small, you stay small. If you think big, you can get big. So, 967? Yes. 967 unit complex. So, how does one. How does one make such a big decision? Like did the itty bitty shitty committee kick off and go, what the fuck are you doing right now? (laughs) (laughs) No, in in all honesty, our goal was to do 500 units for the year, right? And so a unit is a door for those of you who are like, what the hell is a unit? To get 500 doors in 2021 was the initial goal. Well, we kind of blew the lid off of that and realized we were playing too small, Mm. which, you know, reality check, but our strategy is to invest in a like 50 units or less property that we can do a value add and personally be the operator of it, right? While our cash flow that comes in from our portfolio and all of the deals that we may be doing in that time frame builds up and it pools. And then we can invest as a, we're accredited investors, we can invest passively into syndicated deals. So we invested into three syndications at the tail end of the year, like fourth quarter, we let all the cash kind of pile up for the first three quarters and actually for the first two and a half. And then the last half, like analyzing which deals we were going to sink our money into. Mm-hmm. And sink is probably not the best word. Place and invest <laughs> our money into because I don't want to consider it sunk, right? <laughs> uh, but where, where can we put our money to get the best return? And so we analyzed a whole bunch of deals and spent our time and then found the three best deals. There was a 296 unit, a 252 unit, and a 419 unit. So nice. we invested into all three deals. So it looked like we just went crazy. And what are you guys doing? Oh my God, you have 976 units that you just, or 67, whatever the number, <laughs> 967. And um, I had to explain, especially to our students and the people that are in our Facebook group is, no, we're not personally managing those those we invested passively. So we get our cash flow percentage. And when it comes to like refi or selling it, we'll get some equity from it. But we're going to just, we bought a 42 unit motel. We're working through that. That's where our hands are going to be and our time and attention. So it's a way for us to put our money to work because we don't have enough time with four kids and following our passion by doing the wow coaching business and still building our portfolio we're just leveraging our time and our money and making sure our money goes to work for us while we work on this other project. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is how, and it's a slow, slow, quick, quick approach. That's how we, we plan everything in 90 day increments Mm -hmm. and we will take our time, do our due diligence and plan and be very methodical to the point where it looks like we're not doing anything for a little while. And then all of a sudden we just come out of the woodworks and it's like, (laughs) boom, boom, boom. And everybody's like, wow, what happened? (laughs) It's because of how we plan and strategize and when we choose to execute 
So we wanted to do it that way and get all of our money in towards the end of the year. And that was the last of our acquisitions. And now we know next year, the goal is a thousand doors. I mean, we can't go back down to 500 after that. It's nice. a thousand doors goal next nice. year. Nice. So you brought up kids. You know, I, I, I have two questions for you about, about being an entrepreneur with kids. Question number one is that time factor. You hear so many parents who are self-employed entrepreneurs struggle with, you know, having kids at home, helping kids with homework, doing all the kid activities and being there for their business. They, they get pulled in both, in both directions, right? And so that's question one. How did you guys manage that with four? I have two, two girls and yeah. two is a lot. Four, I'm outnumbered. <laughs> yeah, it's like we, a, are. we are outnumbered completely. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not easy, right? Yeah. So in, for in the beginning, um, Stacy was traveling, training people one-on-one. -on -one. I would be at home running the whole house and really developing all four kids, taking them to school, doing that, teaching them how to eat with a fork and go potty and all the things, right? And, <laughs> And they use your needed, favorite word. <laughs> right. They needed that attention because they were, you know, they were four and under. Yeah. And, and wow. so we did that for probably like four years of, of going through that phase. But I was also investing in real estate on the side while doing to continue to build our portfolio. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that the one thing that got me through that time frame as a parent of trying to shift all these gears, wife's away, got all four kids. They're crazy, by the way. They're nuts. They have mob mentality for sure. And I've got, you know, notaries come. Okay. Stacy would text me. There's a notary showing up and I'd be like, awesome. I just got the kids home from school. Let me do this at the kitchen, you know, while I go play. Um, but it's, it's a lot to juggle, but you will be amazed at how much you can still get done if you just do it. Yeah. It's, the time's going to go by anyways, and you will figure out how to juggle all of it as yeah. you're doing it. And I did. Yeah, I just, I had to figure that piece out. And we divided and conquered a lot when it came to our real estate business. So Stacey would be in research mode, finding deals, people dropping deals into our inbox. She's analyzing, making offers, traveling, teaching people, all the things. Once we got to a certain point, I took over. I'm signing all the paperwork, I'm managing the contractors, managing the rehabs, doing all of that side. So we really had a baton race and we passed off pretty swiftly to each other and just kind of nice. figured out how to store with one another's strengths versus trying to just figure it out individually. So we teamed up and sometimes people say, well, that's not fair. I don't have someone I could team up with, which is why a spousal objection is one of our biggest objections when we have students first entering. It's like, I don't know if my husband's going to let me do this or... I think my wife is going to think you guys are crazy, right? So <laughs> you got to have both parties on the same page in order for this yep. to be successful. You, know, yeah. you don't both have to be doing it, right? But both have to be on the same page that, yes, this is how we're going to acquire true wealth. No. And when you want wealth, you'll do whatever it takes. That's fantastic. So then let's ask the second question. And, you know, I remember growing up where I asked my dad, my dad, uh, my dad was uh, the number one salesperson in the tri-state area in the East Coast before I before my parents divorced and I moved out to California with my mother. And uh, I remember being really little and sitting at the dinner table and them talking about a deal. And I asked my dad how much he made. And my mother yelled at me. That's none of your business. That's private. And and my wife, my wife today, well, when our kids were younger, I remember Kiana sitting there, our youngest, asking me, mom, how much do you make? And Mary Lou snapping, going, that's private, that's personal. And I said, and she's in her imprint time. And mm -hmm. I want her to understand that the relationship with money is it's nothing more than an exchange of energy. Yeah. You know, I put energy out, I get energy in. So I answered the question and that meant nothing to her. So I said, let's make it really easy. What you need is my responsibility. What you want is your responsibility. Unless I want you to have it, then I'll make it mine. So anytime you want something, you get to spend it. You, you get to spend your own money with it. And anytime you need something, I spend my money on it. So we were a target and she was, I don't know, four and those damn Bratz dolls, you know, the big head, big modern day Barbies. 
like they're, I think they were like 40 bucks. And she ran eye level. She grabbed it, came running up to me and goes, mom, 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 I need this. And I go, you need it. And she goes, yeah. And I go, oh, so it's a roof over your head. And she goes, and her shoulders slumped. She goes, no. And I go, so it's food in your belly. And she goes, no. And I said, and she goes, never mind, I don't need it. And I go, well, wait, 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 wait. You obviously want it. So if you want it, that's a different story. And she goes, well, how much is it? So we took it to that little barcode thing and it popped up like 40 something. And she looked at me and she goes, what does that mean? And I said, it means all your piggy bank and you're gonna owe me $10 plus tax. And she looked at me and she walked back, put it back on the shelf, climbed on the cart. And this woman came running up to me going, how the hell did you do that? And I go, I educated her on money. So, and she looked at me and she goes, I don't, I don't need it or want it anymore. Well, I ended up getting it for her a month later after she earned it. Right. (laughs) Right. And so how do you guys handle your kids when it comes to money mindset? Because that's probably one of the biggest things that most people face as an obstacle. Totally. I don't know if Stacey wants to answer this one. I I feel like I talk a lot, but no, go for it. We do a lot. We do a lot. So like, for example, a couple years ago, they each got a hundred dollars from Santa. Right. Mm -hmm. And we made it a thing. We did it on purpose that they would get a hundred dollars in their stocking. This is from Santa. And we took them to go shopping for it. And that's when they learned about taxes and just how much things actually cost. Mm-hmm. And we also, we, we literally do a family listening, like an audio book of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. The kids are listening, teaching them about the difference between an asset and a liability. And we literally, you could ask our seven-year-old right now, hey, the RV that's in the driveway, is that an asset or a liability? And she'll be like, oh, well, we have to pay for it. So that's a liability, right? Yeah, it is. But if I'm renting it out to the campers and we're getting money, do I switch it to an asset? And she's like, yeah, yeah. Except it's pretty inconsistent because are you always going to have campers? And I'm like, oh, she gets it, right? <laughs> so, nice. And then the, the, the similar to the lemonade stand story that you had uh, from your childhood, our kids, we, we live, the, the golf course is right behind our house on the 12th hole is right behind our house where the kids can walk through this little gate and just sit right there and watch people tee off and they decided that they were going to go sell stuff. They came to the house and they saw people were thirsty and they might be hungry because it's the 12th hole. And so they came to the house and they got a bunch of chips and a bunch of water and they went out there and they sold it and they made $50 that day. And they were like, whoa. Right. And then of course, Stacy was like busting out spreadsheet opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) opportunity. So she shows them a ledger and is like, okay, well, you know, those were our chips though. Yeah, our water cost cost of sales. You got cost of sales. Boom. (laughs) All right, and then you know you got to do this. So, and they learned about what that took, and then they were like, "Can you make us a Venmo account? Can you make us a Cash App?" They named the business and literally came in about ten minutes before we hopped on here and said, "Hey, there's golfers out there. Can we go out and sell?" Absolutely, go out and sell. (laughs) And they know that when they earn it, when they come in, they always have to put some into their account. They're saving up a bundle of money that then they can buy stocks. They have E-Trade accounts. They can buy stocks with it and they can have some that they can blow. Like you can go, oh my God, yeah. I'm making Roblox so rich, right? Oh or Minecraft is so rich right now. And or Fortnite, they're spending all their money on these video games. By the way, that's the next thing. Yeah, it really is. So they, they're <laughs> learning that, you know, it, if you want it, it doesn't come hard, but you do got to work for it. Mm-hmm. And once you get it, you've got to make wise choices. Don't just blow all of it and definitely don't leave it all in the savings account. Oh my God, cash is a differentiating asset. (laughs) So they're learning, they're learning at a level. And and I I think they're getting a healthy respect with it. And they really actually enjoy listening to the Rich Dad Poor Dad audio book. They're taking notes. So nice, nice. We don't have money. Money is not a taboo subject in our house Mm -hmm. um, because we didn't, we didn't want to create the, um, we didn't want to create that mentality where they're uncomfortable talking about it. We do try to educate them when they, when they talk about things like in general in society, we do tell them like, Hey, just so you know, if you ask that question to someone else, that would, they might react weird because that's not something people normally talk about like openly, but we will speak openly about, about money. And um, yeah, so that it's not taboo so that they can keep the energy flow. So it's not because we didn't have that growing up. And so we had to overcome some of those things um 
because we didn't have entrepreneur parents no. yeah and yeah. we want our kids just to have like money is just it is just energy yeah that's awesome what so can you, you do guys... in the world that's that's worth something to somebody else have yeah. you ever played the cash flow game for kids with them we just actually just got the cash flow for kids nice. literally yes <laughs> yeah. nice. she played it with our oldest daughter the other night she sat down and said how do i win yeah <laughs> I was like, yes, that's, that's awesome. So uh, we, we, we played it with, with our kids when, when they were younger and our oldest, uh, we have a 10 year old grandson from her and I'm petrified to teach him this because he already is so money motivated for the past five years. You know, my, my wife is uh, very metaphysical. She has a PhD in, in metaphysical science and holistic life coaching. And, and, you know, she's a holistic health practitioner. So she's really into gemstones and energy and all of that. And we have amethysts and everything throughout our house. Our grandson would go get a Ziploc bag, go out into the yard, pick rocks up, and then come in and educate people about all the energy that was in these gemstones and then sell them for like five to fifty dollars yeah. a piece <laughs> so our youngest works for us we're teaching her the business from the bottom up she's our exit strategy and uh and he started negotiating with her about how he's going to be the VP of sales. And I just finally looked at her and said, whatever you do, don't sign anything till a lawyer reads it because you'll lose everything to this kid. Right. That's <laughs> awesome. So, so Jen and Stacy, welcome to the signature question of the show. And that is what is selling without selling mean to you? To me, it's about language. Um, and I would have to say it's just telling your story, being authentically you, showing people how it's going to benefit them, how it's going to change their life, um, but not from a, not from a, like a car salesman approach, but right. from meeting them where they're at with, you know, if they're a kinesthetic learner and they got to feel things and understand things, then show them, let them touch it, let them play with it. If, if they're visual, paint them a picture, show them the picture, walk them through it. If they need to hear things and or they need to see a plan, like whatever it is that they need to make a decision, to me, that, that will sell them on themselves. Not necessarily us or our product, but the fact that they can do it. They can do something and be something different and have more in life. And whatever it is that they need clarity on in order to make that decision, that to me is selling without selling because it's it's showing them not only the possibilities but how it can apply to them. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Stacey, do you have anything to add? S sales is, sales has never been something I've identified as. Oh, I I you know I, I just don't identify as, as someone who sells. But the one thing I've come to learn over time is that when you have when you believe in something so strongly, like I believe that people deserve to have a better future than they currently have, if they're willing to do what it takes and learn and get there. So I think having the belief that strongly and truly believing that they can do it um, and inspiring them to help them get through their bullshit so that they can believe it, see it, and if they want it, then actually go for it. Mm -hmm. um, I think because of that, I always said like my enthusiasm tends to sell people, but it's not, I'm not like, oh, do you wanna buy my thing? It's more um, selling them on the idea of you know you can actually build um, complete passive cash flow. You can have you can have freedom. Like and I'll sell them through the enthusiasm um, and me believing in them and showing them. Look, I've done that. I went from literally nothing. I had no money when I started yeah. to building this life, and it is possible. But being authentic, like be willing to put in the work. Don't think it's easy. It's not, but you are worth it. So okay. get off your ass and get to work. So I don't know for me, right. selling is just, um, hey, yeah. You, you really want to laugh? <laughs> yeah. She sells more. <laughs> because she doesn't realize she's selling. And that's what's funny. Yeah, I know. It's because yeah. it's authentic. And that's the lesson that I learned yeah. just from watching her is it doesn't have to be, oh, buy this product or you need this service. It literally is just the way she shows up. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. She's, she's selling them the belief in themselves because she 1000% believes in it. Mm -hmm. And that's what we try to cascade down to our team who's yep. trying to enroll people, right? Yep. 
And not only does she 1000% believe in it, she 1000% believes in herself. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way that people can ever believe you is if you believe you. And the only way they can ever believe in themselves is if they can borrow your belief of them because you have a belief in yourself. It's the only way. And if you're standing up on this platform of bait and switch, or the industry's told me when you say this, I do this, that's so disingenuous. When you stand transparent and congruent and authentic in alignment with yourself and in service of others, you never have to sell. People buy. You just have to serve. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's a good one. That's <laughs> so welcome to the random round. I believe that success leaves clues. And I like to ask our expert guests random questions so that we can extract things and the listeners can go, oh, well, I really want to apply that to my life. So one question for the both of you, and that is, what does your morning ritual look like? It's, it's like a robot, honestly. Cool. Alarm goes off. I will go upstairs, wake up the kids and start getting them ready for school. Stacy does kickboxing in our garage in the gym. Nice. And then we take them to school, do the whole school routine. We come back, we meditate on the lawn um, in the backyard and really set our intentions for the day. And we literally talk about, this is this philosophy that we've recently been talking about. It's like our business and our personal life are like two fire pits, you know, and there's like this, we have this raging fire. And, but what makes that fire are these embers inside of it, right? So in the business, we have marketing, sales, operations, and fulfillment. And then we also have on our business side, our, our, our investing side, we have to figure out our lead generation, acquisitions, rehabs and things like that. So we always talk about what ember do we need to be fanning today yeah. and set that intention for the day. And then we go tackle it together. And we talk about that from our, our Warriors of Wealth training company, our personal investing, and then our personal life. How do we need to show up? And what hat are we wearing today? When do we think we're going to shift gears and put on you know, the, the mom hat or the investor hat or the business owner coach hat or the spouse hat? We go through the day changing roles. And when we change roles, we're just consciously aware, oh, that's the hat I got to put on right now. And we just, that's how we practice things. For a little while, we were doing some ice face stunts, but it's not hot <laughs> enough for that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. You know, I really appreciate you both coming on the show. I know you both have crazy schedules. And I knew coming into this, it was going to be one or the other and was surprised when it was both. So thank you so much. If our listeners, want to find you, follow you, reach out to you, how can they? Uh, the best way is to text uh, the word freedom to 619-373-8461 and a, a link will come to you and then we can reach out from there. Fantastic. Thank you. Your success is important to me and it's also important to me to make sure that these episodes are valuable to you. I would love for you to do a few things right now. I'd love for you to hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. That's hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. Second, I'd love it if you'd head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. That's head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. We have an immense amount of interaction on both platforms. We also share different information on both platforms. So we look forward to seeing you there. Last and definitely not least, I love to chat with you, give feedback on the episodes, and find out any topics that you're interested in to help make this podcast more powerful and helpful to you achieving the success you've always dreamed of, desired, and deserved. Head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. Let's get a 15-minute call on the schedule. I look forward to getting to know you. Always remember this. Choice is a powerful thing, and suffering is always optional. Get out of your way so that you can get on your way, so you can finally have your way. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to talking with you soon. 
Whether it's mastering your mindset, communication, or success, we have more ways to keep you on your journey to greatness. Be sure to visit us at pivotpointadvantage.com for exclusive online training programs, success-specific courses, and more ways to connect to Stacy directly to help you achieve the financial success you've always desired, dreamed, and deserved. That's all available on pivotpointadvantage.com.